just want to thank you. I've already had a chance. We've, we've sat, we've worshipped you, we've sung to you with joy, hopefully, and also reflected um, just right before this on the, the beauty and some of the themes that we're exploring, what it means to trust you, even sometimes in our difficult places. And certainly we need wisdom to negotiate life. Uh, a lot of times life will present us with challenges. Some of those challenges are external a lot of them are internal. Some of them are outside in the workplace and are, you know, friendships. Others occur very in very intimate circles. You know what we're walking through. You know some of the personal things we're struggling with. I know that you want to give us your wisdom. And I pray that as we look at your words, that it would empower us to do better, to grow, to become more of who you, the man and the woman that you have called us or are inviting us to become. So I ask this blessing over all of us. I really do. I pray for strength and grace in Jesus' name. Amen, God. So I'm picking back up with what really we opened up the series with. Uh, in the summer, I'll come in and out and share. We hear different ones share around a theme. But I uh, opened up the series by looking at a letter, that, the opening of a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Colossae. It's called Colossians. And we looked at the first, we started with by looking at the opening chapter, which contains a prayer. Now, just again, for familiarity's sake, to know that the places the Bible is talking about, geographically real places, good for us to kind of be aware of it. Besides the fact that there's so much happening right now in this part of the world, I say this all the time. You see where Jerusalem is. There's stuff going on right now. It's very intense all over this region. In Turkey, in modern-day Turkey is where Colossae is. So Paul was writing this letter from Rome to Colossae. He actually did not found this church. One of his key men did. A disciple, a part of his team, a man by the name of Epaphras had started the church. But Paul had an affection for them. He wanted to see them grow. And he was writing himself from a place, this is important, from a place of confinement. He was under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial. He wasn't free. He wasn't free to go and just do whatever he wanted. He was confined, uh, most, by most accounts tethered to a Roman guard. He, he was writing this then from the place of deprivation himself. I think it makes the words even more powerful. I'm going to read through the opening piece of the prayer, which, by the way, I think the prayer, if we really want to get the full benefit of it in these words, it's not just a prayer for them. It could be a prayer for us. And it's kind of one of these pieces of Scripture that it's worth sitting with and revisiting, especially when we're starting to talk about this idea of wisdom how to employ wisdom into our life with greater effectiveness. And so let's just read it through. Uh, Colossians 1, it says, This letter is from Paul. He's uh, been chosen. He says, I've been chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. If we were writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, we just talked about that, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, may God our Father give you grace and may he give you peace. In fact, we, we always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have, we've actually heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've heard about your love that you have for all of God's people. And we know that, that love flows out of something. Look what he says. It comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. In other words, he's saying the love that you have and the reality of your faith and the vitality of your faith is connected, he says, to a perspective, a perspective we've been talking about in these past months. He says because you have a future conviction, about what life really is and what the hope of Jesus Christ in, involves. Because of that trust in a future life, it affects how you decide to live your present life. 
And he says, you have this confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And you have this expectation. In fact, you've had it ever since you first heard the truth of the good news of Jesus, this gospel, this, this death, this burial and resurrection news of Jesus and all that is entailed in it for all of us. He says, this same good news that came to you, you know what? It's going out all over the world and it's bearing fruit everywhere. And the way that it's showing up most of all is by changing lives, just as it changed your lives. So wherever the reality of Jesus is, change lives is what the byproduct usually is. I mean, it's part of the deal and it's great. And he says, just as it changed your lives from the day that you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Now, he says, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, who's our beloved coworker. He's He's Christ's faithful servant. He's helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Now, here's the key part that I'd like us to focus on, 9 through 11. Look at it closely if we can. He says, so in light of that, we, we have not stopped praying for you. You've been on our hearts. You've been on our minds. You've been in our prayers. We've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And we ask God to give you. Now, look at, watch the soaring Prayer. I mean, this is, look what he said. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. We want you to know his will. And we pray also that he will give you, on top of an understanding of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, that is a great prayer. He's, he's saying, listen, we, we're asking that God would, would just allow you to grow in the knowledge of his will. Now, what he's getting at there, I think, is something that's important when he talks about this idea of understanding the will of God for our lives. He's basically saying is, I want you to really have an appreciation for God's best plan for your life. I want you to really understand it. And he says, not only do I want you to have an understanding of his will for your life, but I'm praying, and it's a direct connect with our focus. I'm praying that he would give you Wisdom, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom, you know, here speaks of knowledge of what is most important. It's from the Greek word Sophia. He's talking about essential knowledge. What he's saying is, I want you to be filled with the kind of knowledge that provides the groundwork for making sound decisions. I want you to have foundational strength that you make your life decisions out of. Remember, you guys, before we can do what God wants. We need to know what he wants. It, it's really critical. Um, to do something requires first to know what we're supposed to do. So knowledge is important. But then Paul also says, not only do I want you to have this foundational understanding of God and his words and, and who he is and what he wants to do in your life, he says, but then I'm praying for one more thing. And it's not, we shouldn't run past it. He says, I also pray for understanding. And the word here that we translate as understanding, sunesis, it, it has to do with the ability and the capacity, listen, to apply what we know. So what he's saying is, I'm not just praying for you to know the right things. I am praying that you will have the skill set and the capacity to apply them into your everyday life. That is very important. You know, I, again, I, I think about knowledge and what a blessing it is to know God's word. You know, we may know something theologically. We may have an appreciation for something. Some of us may know people that have a tremendous amount of understanding, uh, knowledge of the Bible. We may have a, a knowledge of the Bible. Um, we may know a lot about what Jesus taught. That's, that is great. We should have that. God, we may have an idea of, of how God wants us to live our lives because we've studied his word and we're sitting in it. It's part of something that we've really applied ourselves 
But I want to say this, that it's, it's one thing to know it, and it's another to apply it to the everydayness of our life. And the Lord really does want us to apply. We may have a master's in theology. Look, and, and, and really struggle with knowing how to holistically and practically apply it into the everydayness of our life. I, look, I, I, have, I have a couple of theological degrees. But at the end of the day, that is not where the rubber really meets the road. It's not about what we know. And again, I'm saying it because I'm not anti-knowledge. I'm not. But what I am for is a faith that works. What Paul was praying for was not just head knowledge, not just even good knowledge that is foundational. He was praying that you would know how to apply that knowledge into the everydayness of your life. And that's huge because, you know, he doesn't, he's saying, I don't want to just sequester it off to a religious piece. He says, I want it to have a, a practical outworking so that it shows up in your, in your home. Your home life. I want it to show up. I'm praying that the wisdom of God would show up in very tangible, real ways in the way in which we make decisions. He's talking about how, you know, and we've all, many of us have heard, heard about, perhaps not necessarily all of us, but we've known people, you know, maybe some of us even grew up in environments where someone knew a whole lot, but then when it was really lived out, it's almost stumbled our own love for God because it seemed like such a disconnect. Right? I mean, the Lord wants us to live out wisely our faith in our home life. He wants us to be able to live it out in our friendships, our relational contexts. I mean, a lot of times he wants us to learn how to wisely listen, live for him in our jobs, in the marketplace, in places where it's not always easy to know when to draw my line and how to draw it. Should I speak up? Should I say nothing? You know, these places, what about things, you know, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about wisdom to know how to, how to apply that into our personal life, our private life. Because the fruit that ultimately shows up in the public life of ours is always connected to what's going on in our private world. That's why we always talk about tending the garden of our soul. None of us are perfect on this. We all struggle with different things. The Lord wants us to give attention to the inside wisdom. Jesus said, out of the heart, the abundance, you know, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What he was always talking about, he says, he, Jesus would talk a lot about how what goes on inside ultimately will reveal itself. He said, pay attention to what is, is often not noticed. Jesus was, um, you know, not just because he was the son of God, but as a, as a fully human being, he, he was masterful at discernment. He saw things that were often missed. He paid attention to subtlety. It wasn't just what was happening. It was what other people were seeing things. He was seeing something completely different. Again, I remember one occasion where it says that Jesus was watching the people as they were giving their offerings in the Lord's house. And he noticed someone that was completely disregarded, a widow who had very little. But she was giving it unto the Lord. And he made a statement about her. He said, this woman is giving more than them all. Now, part of that was the perspective that he had, but the other part of it was he noticed things. He would notice things in his disciples. Here's the thing. The Lord wants us to learn to grow in our capacity to discern. That's part, and, and one of the key things, part of growing in wisdom is learning how to discern our own heart and to be very real about what things we are strong and weak in and to not be dishonest about that because knowing that actually can be tremendously beneficial because then we know what we need to focus on. It's like I always say to, pe I say to people, I tell my kids, I, I try to, to live this out. My, I, I say, look, 
You want to you manage your weakness so that you can soar with your strength. But it's very important to know the difference. Now, I take it one step further because Paul, he's pressing into this. Look what he says. To show you that it's exactly what he's getting at. Look at verse 10. Look what he says. He says, look, he says, I'm going to pray that God will give you not only a knowledge of his will, but that he will give you wisdom and understanding. Why? Look, at what, look what he says. You can, I mean, I actually underlined it when I first read it through. It said, then the way you live, the way you live. So this is about wisdom for living. The way you live is going to honor and please the Lord. And you know what's going to happen, he says. Your lives are going to produce, and he uses a metaphor here, every kind of good fruit. I mean, it's going to show up. The byproduct of your life is going to start showing up. It's going to show up all over the place. And this is all the while, you're going to grow. I'm, this is what I'm praying for. The wisdom of God would so fill your life that you would, you would begin to just have an expansive vibrancy about you that just sort of just shows up in the way that you live and then it shows up in the byproduct of your life and that everywhere you go, people, environments are affected by the reality of what Christ is doing in your life and the wisdom of God that is working through you will just allow you to keep growing in every season of your life and that you'll learn to just know God better and better and better and that is such a wonderful prayer. It's such an amazing, it's like a mission statement it's so like he's saying, this is what I'm praying that God would do in your life. And you know what's so incredible about it? He's praying that for every one of us. It's like this is a goal for all of us. Now, again, the way you live pleases the Lord. Now, notice he says, he uses a common metaphor of Scripture that it will produce every kind of good fruit. I don't know about you, but I have always loved fruit. Uh, I love, I mean, some people love vegetables. But and you kind of, are you a veggie person, a fruit person? I have always loved fruit. I think probably in the majority there, I love bananas and oranges. I was writing down all the fruits I love, tangerines, apples, apricots, pe peaches. I go to the, every now and then my wife will go to the ferry building and they have this like, all this fruit out there, all kinds of stuff. And um, they have samples of stuff. <laughs> it's really good. And one of them, I was, they said they had this uh, cotton candy apricot. And I tried it, and it was like, that is so good. They only do it at certain times of the year. And it was just so good. It was so sweet. I just loved it. I love berries of every kind, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries. I have always, since I was a boy, favored fruit over vegetables. <laughs> when I was a little guy, my parents never had to say to me, eat your fruit. But I can recall on numerous occasions being told, you need to eat your vegetables and eat them all. Now, I grew up here in the city. I was born here, grew up here. I grew up, I spent the first 12 years of my life down on the far west side of the city on 47th Avenue between Wona and Vicente, right near the beach. And the Great Highway was a block away. The zoo, which had a different entrance at the time, was a place you could go to as well. And it was sort of my world there. And in the summertime, you know, 47th Avenue is called the sunset. You know why, right? Because the sun sets in the summer and it just never comes back up. It's just like gone. So I didn't even know that there was sun. You know, I didn't, I did for many until certain times of the year. And so, you know, one of the things though, we had like a little house there and every now and then I'll, I'll go back because that represents a time in my life. Just like a lot of you have certain times in your life that are associated with places. And there are marking points that, that remind you of a transition from what was, and it changes your world. And in my case, you know, when my mom and dad broke apart and our family ended as I had known it, 
And, I, and even when you're a boy, you can tell when something's unhealthy. And um, you don't understand all the reasons why until you get a little bit different perspective. And things are never as black and white as they always appear, rarely so, anyway. But I remember up to the age of 12, this was my world. And then we had a, a little house, uh, mom and dad. I had one sibling. I still only have had one. I have one brother, uh, my, my younger brother. And um, he was 13 months younger than me. And we were really close to one another. That's all we had. And I remember how I just found myself looking back on it. And there was this little, right off the kitchen. And it wasn't much of a kitchen. Uh, but whatever kitchen it was, it had like a little space that had set up a, a table. And we would eat dinner at that table. And I can remember vividly, you know, um, one incident. I was, about, I was about eight or nine years old. And again, we would, re- we would eat right off of that table in the kitchen. And, and my dad, he was like a, a total stickler for finishing dinner. I mean, you, you weren't supposed to leave anything on your plate. And I understood that. But he, there was, <laughs> on top of that, though, he had this unfortunate affection for peas, right? <laughs> and when you combine those two things, which was a vegetable I particularly despised, then the combination was enough to make my life miserable. His favorite, I hated it, he's the boss, I eat what's in front of me. That was very difficult. To this day, by the way, I still will not eat peas, and no one can make me eat those peas. (laughs) But I do like pea soup, which is a different kind of thing. But it's something about it. Anyway, I remember, I remember my, my younger brother and I devising a plan to outmaneuver my father uh, at the table. And because here was the deal. You cannot get up until you finish all your, all your meal and you eat all those peas. And don't get up until it's done. And so we were, every ate everything else, the peas are left. I was going, oh, this is awful, right? So I suggested to my younger brother, Bobby, he doesn't go by Bobby now, he's Robert now, but, but then he was Bobby, he still is to me always, always will be. But he used to walk around, my brother was a classic kid, he, he, was, he would walk around, some of you may see it, he had socks, right? He would wear his socks, but he wouldn't wear them like normally people wear them. He, he always liked to wear them with a, like a lot of space on the front end, so they, they would kind of like flop when he walked, right? And he'd cram them into his shoes, and that's just kind of how he was. And I was looking at his socks, and uh, wisdom for living came, started coming. And I said, Bobby, I said, I think I know what we can do. Your socks, these peas, why don't we, why don't we put the socks to work? Let's stick the peas in the socks. That's how you always wear them. Then I got to go to the bathroom. You go to the bathroom flushed them into bliss, right? And we're, we're on our way, right? So everything started working out slowly, beautifully. Everything was coming to pass. Get just one unfortunate oversight. It actually worked beautifully, except for the fact that some peas are floaters, right? They don't go down. And that was like, oh, a bummer. Suffice to say, you know, I'll do the old side those floaters, right? I mean, come on. And they ended up, it ended up, it ended up being, that was like a very painful night for me. Uh, we both went to bed very sore. Now, I said all that, you guys, <laughs> is that when the Apostle Paul discusses wisdom for living, he does not use good vegetables. He uses good fruit to illustrate his teaching. And I'm just saying, it just sounds a whole lot better to me. 
so seriously, you know, <laughs> I mean, for me. And so I think about that, and I think about how uh, I've always, how the Lord really does want that fruit to show up in our lives. You think about the psalm, how it opens up. The psalms open up. Blessed is the man. You know, this is, blessed is the man. I always say, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, right? Who does not, you know, who does not walk in the way of the ungodly, right? Does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Stand in the way of the sinner. Sit in the seat of those who scorn God. But that delight, his delight, her delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, they meditate day and night. They'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season. Its, it's leaf also doesn't wither. It's just going to have life. Has, that's how it opens up. Walks not in the counsel of the God. I mean, this whole idea of fruit, you know, every season of our life, God has something for us to bear. What season are we in? That's part of wisdom. And what is the unique fruit that he has for me in this season of my life? I hear some people say, well, you know, I'm kind of young. You know, I'm just not really thinking about it that way. I say, ah, don't squander your youth. You got one youth to offer back to God. You know, people say, well, yeah, I have a margin. It's true. Most of us do. Most of us do. When you're young, we have a margin. When we're older, that margin isn't there so much. Can't make the same kind of mistakes and have a retry. It's not so simple. And, and by the way, how much better would it be in our, in our youth to honor God, to make good moves? Why do we have to learn some things the hard way? Prefer not to if you don't have to. Honor God with your youth. Those of us who are in the middle stages of our life, seek to live well. Um, don't get sort of caught up in just a lot of the lies that our culture tells us and then squander so much of what has been a blessing that's being built. Those of us who are further along, remember God has a growth plan no matter what stage of life we are in. God always has fruit for us to bear wherever we are. What would that look like? What does it look like? What would it be to represent his heart? This is what we're talking about. What does it look like to be a blessing? What does it work, look like to, to work through internal things so that we can, we can actually grow over and beyond some of the things that have defined us through the years and actually truly begin to get free in Christ? Again, not, it's not just about knowing. It's about moving forward. And again, this idea of planted by the river, you know, this idea of laying roots by the water, it really is getting, it, it, it's getting into something. It's the same thing that Paul's saying. Look what he says in verse 11. It can connects perfectly with it. He says, and you know what we pray? Look at this. We pray that you would be strengthened with all his glorious power. So my prayer for you, again, this idea of a tree planted by the water. I'm praying that God's power would show up in an amazing way in your life. I'm, I'm, and he's basically saying is the key is that it's more about his strength than our weakness. And it's about staying close to him because he's the, he's the strength, he's the power source. It's like when we're plugged in, that's the key. And that, how do we do that? That's why we talk about you know, staying close to his words and you know, being a student of the Bible. The scriptures, the Bible says, that are able to make us wise unto salvation. It, it's so important. And then his spirit, his presence, which can make us strong when we feel like we don't have it in us, but his spirit will come and strengthen us. It's like the psalmist said, you make my arms so they can bend a bow of bronze. You teach me to run. I can run through a troop. I can jump over a wall. David uses language. He says, you make my feet like the feet of a deer. I can negotiate very delicate and nimble places with a degree of grace when one wrong move would cost me everything. 
Lord wants to teach us how to, how to grow in our capacity to negotiate even the scary places of life, even the scary places inside of our own heart. I mean, he's saying, look, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be strengthened with all his glorious power. Look what he says, so that you will have, and we'll just end with that 11th verse, so that you will have all the endurance and the patience that you need. He's saying is, I want you to learn how not to just cave in on things, not just to quit. You know, the words in, for endurance and patience here, these, these two words carry with them the idea of overcoming something. They're actually not passive. I mean, it's not like just, it's, here's the picture of what it isn't. It isn't, I'm just going to kind of wait this out. Just kind of wait it out. It's not that. It's, it's about having a degree. When he says patience and endurance, he's talking about facing things, squaring it up. It's not good. I know it. But God, you will fill me with the capacity to negotiate this. You will show me my way. As I trust you, you will work in me. Your wisdom come to me, Lord. Give me the ability not just to know what to do. Here it is. But the strength to do it. Right? Two things required. How are you wanting me to show up in this situation? Because a part of me wants to just like pull back and kind of quit and not even and just kind of just like cover up. But you're calling me to endure, to have patience. You're calling me to be resolute, to be courageous. I mean, this is what God's calling to face issues. Listen, some people will never know the courage that some of you are showing. How much true courage it takes to own something how much deep, deep courage it takes to trust God over a wound. Some of our most powerful and impactful injuries are what we call trust injuries, when people who should have loved us didn't, at least not the way we were hoping. That's something God wants to teach us how to get past, how to endure, not be defined by, but to overcome. That requires a certain positioning in our lives. Some of us, our great challenge, honestly, is to forgive ourselves. We feel extraordinarily guilty. We know God loves us. We know we're forgiven, but we carry a degree of shame. Part of that may be connected to things that we still presently struggle with. Listen, one thing I know, the Lord is on our side. He gave everything for us. He loves us. It's like, you know, my kids, as I think of it, because Jesus used the analogy himself, but sometimes they may disappoint me, but I love them. I know I disappoint God. I know he loves me, it, but I want to please him. When we love someone, even when we fail them, we don't just treat it cavalierly and say, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. No, it does matter. I want you, Lord, to know how meaningful you are to me. I want to live a life that blesses you and blesses others. Will you help me to do this? Will you give me the endurance and the capacity to have patience? You know, I'll, I'll kind of like sum it up this way. And I'm just going to distill what we've just shared and what we've looked at. Because, oh, oh, by the way, well, let me just one last thing there. Look at that last phrase. What does he say? That you may endure and have patience and that you, look at that, don't worry, may, that may you be filled with joy. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you will do more than just endure things, endure trouble, Endure challenges, endure disappointments. I understand that's real life at times. He says, but my prayer is not just to stand up. I pray that you will be filled with the radiance of God. That the joy of the Lord would come over you like a gift. That it would show up in ways that are illogical. 
that actually we could not have anticipated nor expected. It was a gift of joy that you would learn to live as one who is not defined by things that are disappointing, but are defined by the one who calls you his own, who you have become, he says, by faith. And I pray that his joy would so fill your life that it would sustain you through anything. That is such a good thing. And I think about it and I go, okay, well, how does that show up then? What is he saying? Here's how I'm distilling it down. And I'm just going to present these things fairly quickly. It's just to settle it in so that we can take it home and think about it some more. Uh, what, we, what have we just shared? What have we just read? It's, it's basically this. One, the Lord's wisdom, he wants it to show up in the everydayness of our life. Not once a week. Not just once a week. Not just in head knowledge. He wants it to show up in the every, increasingly, increasingly in the way in which we work through things. He wants it especially to show up in the way in which we treat others so that we are kinder, we are more like him. We are more capable of self-government and confronting things that would have, that would have in the past destroyed us, damaged us, or sent us into a, a, a period of deep despair and depression because we have surrendered our attitude even to him. And by faith, Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with an optimism that is stronger than even what I'm experiencing circumstantially. And that is a gift from God, and I open myself up to it, and I ask you for it. And then on top of that, you know, you think about it. He wants it to show up for other people, but the Lord also wants his wisdom, and this is the second piece, to show up in, especially when things are difficult and hard to bear. So I want us to see the progression here. The Lord wants, his, wants to teach us, and we need to ask him for it, and then apply ourselves to do it. And then we do that when we're in his words, we're in his community, we're taking seriously some of these things, we're actually putting in some time. I've never seen anyone grow good at anything. I'm using some really choppy language there. But none of us have ever, you know, what we practice, we perfect. If we have a very casual approach to cultivating spiritual life, we will get probably fairly mediocre results. If we are serious about how we are pursuing the vibrant life in Christ, serious about owning issues, serious about growing, we get into the community, we get involved, we get open, we get vulnerable, we're serious about growing, listen, we will grow. We will grow. And some of you, some of us, may experience extraordinary breakthroughs. I'm talking about life-changing, relational-impacting, deep deep healing things where generational stuff that's been passed down like a curse almost it's almost like it was the baton I was handed and I'm just playing it out that God breaks that stuff he starts a new line of blessing it's what he does I've seen it my own eyes some things we'll struggle with some things the miracle of God will bust it wide open and all of a sudden it's like breaking out into a vista and now I'm on the run now I'm moving all of a sudden, I'm free. That's part of what it is. See, when, we, when we, the wisdom of God shows up, what happens is it shows up a lot of times in hardship and disappointment. Sometimes when in our unanswered prayer time, you know, things that we're asking God to do, get, you know, get, take this away from me, God. You know, uh, why aren't you showing up for me, God? The Lord teaches us how to trust him how to trust him. See, that's what Paul's getting at. Don't let, don't crumble when he said, I'm praying that your faith will hold even when it's hard. That instead of making God the enemy, why aren't you showing up for me, God? He says that you will learn how to, how to trust that God can bring good even from the bad. 
in life, that he does. He has a track record of it. The key is holding ourselves in a place of faith, trust, and I want to say, I'll take a one, uh, to just ask God to give us a kind of relentless optimism that characterizes our life. And every time we see that, it's like dark shadows starting to try to define us. We say, Lord, I, I know that's not your will for me. I know it. No, no, no. Okay, why is that a big deal? Paul isn't just telling them. He's living it. He's in confinement. He's encouraging them. That's one of the keys, by the way, to true breakthrough. Don't focus on our situation, even though it's really hard not to. I get that. But ask God for grace to bless. And a lot of times things are dislodged when we do this because it's the way of the master. Last thing I'll say about it, he wants his wisdom not only to show up in our everyday lives, he not only wants his wisdom to show up in the way in which we endure difficult things in our life, which will happen from time to time, but he also wants his wisdom to show up in the way in which we negotiate our relational landscape. You understand that, what I'm saying? Some of the most challenging places in life are connected to people. I know this, we know this. Some of the, the hardest things to get past are when others should have said something to us, didn't say something to us, mistreated us, betrayed us. And again, I'm not taking into, I'm, I'm t I am taking into account the fact that we are capable of being that way to others. I understand that. And we need to own those things and ask God for grace. And, for, and we need to be a people who are humble when we are wrong. And healing begins with humility often. Having said that, there are times where God really wants us to be able to get past certain things with others. And someone said to me, well, I don't know. I just, I, how can I love this? I can't love this. There have been times where I've tried to be as honest with, I could, with the Lord. Because again, the Psalms are very honest. And that's one of the reasons why when you're in trouble, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Because David and, and the psalmists are wrestling with their own heart around things that they may not understand fully. They're kind of a little bit angry sometimes that God's not showing up the way they think they should. Situations are happening. People are betraying. There's a lot there. And the thing about it is there are times where I say, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't have it in me to, to love this person right now. I feel like so angry. But what I'm going to ask you to do is at least don't let me give in to the malice that is in my heart right now. I may not be where I need to be on this because where I need to be, honestly, is to forgive as you have forgiven me. But I'm going to ask you, do not allow that anger just to settle into my soul and start to define me. Help me to watch my words. Help me to watch my attitude. Lord, do not let this wound turn into bitterness out of which the Bible says, Many are corrupted. That does relational damage in multiple directions to people we love. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our heart. So the Bible says, keep it with all diligence. That's effort. That's honest. That's real. When we do that, what happens is the flow of life comes, right? Because, again, what do we need? It's not just knowing what is right. Lord, help me to do what is right. Last thing I'll say is a lot of us, we know what to do. What we're struggling with is doing it. It's battles within. When we finish the service, we close with this. It's actually a version of the Lord's Prayer. What I would like us to think about doing, I'd like us to think about when we do this, as a song is being shared, 
If there's something in our heart that we feel like, Lord, I just know you're asking me to surrender. I, I welcome your strength. I pray for this. It might be a situation we're in. It might be something that's awaiting us at the workplace. We might, some of us might go, you know what? I'm just blessed right now. Hey, good for you. I'm so happy. I am really happy. I am. I don't want anybody. Have, but if so, we might have, we know, have people we love who are really hurting over something. Their name may come to us. We might say, you know what? I speak blessing in life. Or it might have to do with our own internal struggle. There's going to be a line, you know, deliver me from my vices. It's powerful. Lord, teach me your ways. Life and blessing. Ah, right, I got to pray. Let's pray. And we'll have our time to give him clothes, all right? Lord, I, I thank you. I love you. I, I pray blessing in life over all of us here. I do. Um, what a privilege to be able to share your good news. I pray that some of us would be strengthened at deep places to hold our lines and to contend and to not simply just go with the flow, but to contend to be a righteous man or a righteous woman to seek to live in your grace and to represent your heart with humility but authenticity in the workplace, Lord, to guard our words, our attitudes, our demeanor, to submit them all to you. And also I ask, Lord, that whatever season we find ourselves in, that we would seek to honor you in it. For there is a way that you have for us to go. I pray that we would go in it. And may much blessing come because of it. This is what I ask, Lord. Bless this closing song. Bless our time of giving. Be honored in this church. I pray this in Jesus' name.